song yesterday and I just kept hearing it and kept hearing it and just the sound of their voices, just acknowledging the power of the word of God. I'll take you at your word. I'll take you at your word. Those are powerful words. We are committing to him that we're going to believe him. We're going to trust him. We're going to take his word. We're going to do what he says. We believe him. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands. Father, we're so thankful for your word tonight. We take you at your word tonight. We thank you, Lord God, that you are here in this place tonight, Father God. Lord, our hearts are open. We're expecting to hear from you. We're expecting to receive from you tonight, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your power in this place, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for giving us authority, Father God, to speak your word. And when we speak your word, word, it will do what it is supposed to do. We thank you, Father God, that we can trust in you. We can rely on you. We can lean on you, Father God, and you will never let us down. Your love is strong enough, Father. Your grace is there for us. Your mercies are new every morning, Father, and we just love you so dearly. Father, I just thank you as I speak your word tonight, Father God, that you speak through me, Father God. That you have your way tonight, Father God. If anyone came in here with their heads down, Father God, cast down, that they'll leave here lifted, Father God, filled with your joy, filled with your power, filled with your grace, and filled with your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you, worship team. I was hoping y'all were going to sing that tonight. <laughs> Praise God. God is so, so good. It's January 2024. Is that like wild? Mind-blowing. <laughs> today, I think we, we were talking. We did our coffee shop, a little coffee shop pop-up today. It was great. Thank you all for coming out and getting coffee. My shameless plug for the coffee shop. But uh, anyway, and we were in the kitchen. We were talking about, you know, it's January. And so I saw something on social media. And it was like, if you were born in 1994, then you are turning 30 this year. And so Destiny was like, no, it's 2023. I was like, no, Destiny, it's 2024. You know, <laughs> turned 30. And then I realized what year I graduated high school. And I was like, oh, I got a 30-year anniversary this year as well. It was crazy. Longer than people have been alive. Anyway, so <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the title of my message tonight is um, In Due Season. And um, my favorite season of all time is fall. I absolutely love fall. Now, I've lived in a different state where they actually had, you know, fall and, um, you know, Vegas, we kind of like skip over it. You know, <laughs> we, you, you go and you get a, you know, pumpkin spice latte and it's a hundred degrees outside. So, you know, we do our best to fake it inside, turn the air real down. I'm like, I'm going to put a sweater on, you know, whatever. But, um, I noticed last year, but again, this year, um, I was driving home from work and it was early part of December and I um, pulled through the gate in my neighborhood. And when I pulled in, we have a lot of trees right in the front part of the, the neighborhood. 
and there were leaves covered on the ground. There was some wind and there were leaves on the ground. And I remember driving, I stopped by my mailbox and I was like, it's fall. The leaves have finally fallen and it's December. Good job, Vegas. (laughs) Welcome to fall in winter. So the next day I woke up and I'm leaving to go to work and I pull out and there's even more leaves. And I'm just like in my head, you know, I'm just looking like, oh, you know, and I love fall. So I love seeing the leaves and the changing and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm like, it's December. It's so weird. So anyway, so I looked it up because I was curious. So I was like, how far behind are we? And why are there leaves falling in December? Because that doesn't make sense. Like when is fall? So I found out that um, um, actually, um, before, before I looked it up, so I'm, I'm pulling out of my neighborhood and I was on my way to work and I, you know, I'm just kind of like in my head, like, I can't believe it's fall. Like, it's weird. Like, we're so late. Good job, Vegas. You know, kind of just making fun and jesting. And then I heard God say to me, um, in due season, you'll reap if you don't faint. And God uses all kinds of things to speak to me. And it was just like, You know, and he just began to talk to me about, you know, the seasons and how even though it seemed like it was late, it still had to happen because that was part of the season. It needed to change. The leaves needed to fall. You know, that is what happens. And so he just began to remind me about some things like in due season, it'll happen. You'll reap, just don't faint. It's coming. And so um, that's Galatians 6, chapter 9. It says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So I, like I said, I looked up fall because I'm like, when is fall? <laughs> like, are we really that behind? And I find, found out there are two ways to determine fall or two ways to determine seasons. Okay, so this is like a a, a little lesson here, scientific lesson. Um, There's the meteorological way and there is the astronomical way. So the meteorological way um, is a way of measuring that's used by scientists and the seasons are based on the annual temperature cycle. Okay, so which usually goes along with the months. So if it's based on the temperature cycle, fall would be September, October, November. That's normal fall. You know, all across the country, you'll see, you know, usually the leaves turn, you know, where places where there's trees and it's really nice. And that's based on the temperature. Well, the second way is the astronomical way, which goes between September and December 21st. And that is based on... Um, the earth's position in relation to the sun. And, you know, that got me to thinking again. And I was like, that's, that's it. You know, sometimes we feel like, you know, things have to happen in a certain season and at a certain time. But God is telling us to turn ourselves to the sun and turn to him and he'll bring about the change in our life. And I was like, that's what we are in Las Vegas. We're the special people that it doesn't just happen right on September, October, November. Like we're not going along with that because our weather is so, you know, we're warm. 
And in order for the leaves to fall and that to happen, it has to start cooling off. Well, we had a long summer, which made us have a longer, you know, fall, you know, before it started cooling off. And I was looking at that last year because last year was around November. But the warmer it's, the longer it stays warm, the longer the leaves hang on. But as soon as that weather starts to turn, they have to fall off and they have to make a change. That's us. But Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 says, As long as the earth remains, there will be a planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. So this was after the flood. God said, made this promise. There's always going to be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. The seasons are always going to have to happen. No matter how long it takes for it to show up, it has to happen. We don't skip a fall. We don't skip a winter. We don't skip a summer. We joke and we say it, but we don't. We didn't skip fall. Fall happened the first part of December. God didn't skip your season. You change when he's ready for you to change. And, you know, and then that brought me to, so, you know, the beginning of the year is usually a time where people pray and they seek God and, you know, they pull out vision boards and they start with goals. I mean, if you're on social media at all, it just, you, you feel like your life needs to move to a certain pace. Like it's January. January means I have to pray and seek God. I have to come up with my word for the year. I have to do a vision board. And now they came out with a new thing called a prayer board. So now I have to do prayer boards. I have to do vision boards. I have to get my word. I have to get it at the beginning of the year. That's how it works. We've let society, you know, the Christian world pushed us into this cycle that we feel like we have to do. But then I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get it. But God didn't change my word. He didn't change my scripture. He didn't change my season. He said, stick with it. That's what he told me. And so I'm like, well, what am I going to post? My word from last year? Yes. Because I didn't get it. My season, you know, we, keep, we think that because the date changed, the seasons change. But that's not true. And we need to be okay with that. You, we need to trust God to say, I trust you with my life. You know what I need. Your plans for me are good. Your purpose for, purposes for me are good. I'm not doing things based on the world. I'm not doing things based on this calendar cycle. Because if you go by the Hebrew calendar, the year doesn't even change till October. They go October to October, not January to January. So I'm like... You know, we got this calendar, that calendar. So if I'm basing my life off of it's January or I'm this age or I'm this or I should be doing this and I should be doing that or I'm too old for this or I'm too young for that. That's not what our life is based off of. God moves in your season. He moves in your life and he has plans for you. You read throughout the Bible and you look at all these different people. They weren't bound by age. 
I'm tired of older people saying I'm too old and I can't do this and I can't do that. You are still on this earth. You still have a purpose. God still has a plan for your life. You're still necessary. You're still needed until the day you draw your last breath. You still have something you need to do. So you don't get to sit back and relax while everybody else does the job. You don't get to say, well, I've done this and I've done that. So therefore now I get to rest. No, we all work. God still has a plan or you would not be here. So we need to get everything out of whatever season we are in in life. Everything, suck it dry. So that when you move to the next season, you're not leaving anything behind. You're starting out not with unfinished business, business, but you've completed that season. And God says, now I'm moving you to the next. Stick with it and don't quit. Amen. Stick with it and don't quit. What if God is letting us go through a growing season and wants us to stay and walk out a no or a new? What if he wants us to learn how to share and play nicely with others, even when we feel wronged? What if it feels like a punishment not to get what we want, but his no made room for a later and greater yes? Stomping out of one door and into another of offense or pain or fear will never bring forth good fruit. You can't force your season or you will get what you laid the path for. It's, it's that simple. We sing songs about trusting God and laying down our lives and doing all of this and all of that. You know, and and songs are great and they're wonderful, but you can't just sing the words and not do it. We're held accountable for what we know, whether it's coming from the pulpit, you're reading in a Bible, or you're singing it in a song. You learned a whole lot in a song. A lot. And you're still held accountable for what you know. Where you have been will prepare you for what's before you in the new season ahead of you. How you leave a season can impact how you enter a new thing. If you leave offended, you start defensive. If you finish weak, you start fragile. If you quit before your time, you start a new thing with unfinished business. So it's time for us to be patient and walk out what he has for us. There's something that we learn in every season, whether we're going through hard times, challenging times, whether it's the biggest, greatest high of our lives and, you know, we've experienced the greatest blessings. God is with us there and he's with us when we're there. And in everything, if we stick close to him, we'll learn and get exactly what he has for us. His timing is perfect. He sees things, he knows things that we don't know. And a lot of times when you look back, once you cross that season and you finally like surrender, get it together, you're like, all right. And you walk through it and then you come on the other side, you're like, I wasn't ready for what I asked him for. 
that never would have lined up if I would have just, if I would have kept pushing. This wouldn't have come together. I wouldn't have been at the right place and met this person or made this connection or had this business deal or, you know, got this particular, you know, uh, interest rate on a home or, you know, sale at this time or the house that you thought that you wanted. Maybe the, the ground, the foundation wasn't built correctly and all that housing division is all, you know, they're all messed up. I mean, you, you don't know. Sometimes we push, 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 push. And God's like, I'm looking out for you. Just wait. I've got something for you beyond what you even could even dream about. I know you better than you know yourself. And if you would just trust me, I'll give you things you didn't even know to ask me for. And on top of that, he'll do some stuff that's just a little extra. So maybe you ask for it and he gives you that. And then he says, I'm going to drop this in there too, because you really wanted this or needed this to go with that too. But we got to trust him and walk through the season that he has us in. It's time to walk in patience, refuse to quit, choose to stay in the season where God has you and fight to finish what you started. That's the big thing. Fight to finish what you started. There are so many people. It's such a culture now. Um, they, there's this thing called cancel culture. And um, really, it's just people, it's really judgment. People pass judgment on other people and determine that they shouldn't, like, their business shouldn't exist anymore. Who they are as a person shouldn't exist anymore. Everybody shames them. I mean, it's like this whole big thing. And it's a lot of it is done. It's really bullying on social media. Somebody picks something that they don't like, and then they call it cancel. I'm canceling them out. They didn't exist. We're just going to be mean to them, whatever. And it's an acceptable thing. What I want to create a cancel culture of is quitting. I'm going to need y'all to get a, a, a cancellation, like cancel the thought in your mind that you can quit. Because this, you know, this whole culture now is I can start something, but if I don't like it, I, I don't have to finish it. If it's a little difficult, it's not for me. I don't know that I'm really called to that because, oh, it's a little uncomfortable. I don't know. It doesn't bring me life. It doesn't bring me joy. I get tired. So it must mean that I'm supposed to quit. I'm supposed to give up. It's not what I went to school for. It's not what my degree is in. I should be further than what I am. Where in the world? I grew up and you had to work. You didn't walk into a room and just become the most elevated, important person in the room. No, you submitted. You submitted to those who were over you. You submitted to authority. You served your way into positions of leadership. You put in blood, sweat, tears. You put in time. You put in work. You put in hours. So then when you were elevated to that position, you had the character to keep you there. You weren't listening to all these stories about this person, that person, and why this didn't work, and that fell, and that didn't work, and all that kind of stuff. No. Because people are too busy quitting the race that they're supposed to run, trying to jump and run somebody else's race. Yours looks better than mine, so I'm going to do yours. Very childish. My niece and nephew, that they're that way all the time. My niece. <laughs> I love my niece. <laughs> 
<laughs> that little girl don't take something that belongs to her. It is hers. And if her, her um, cousin, Ashton, touches anything, she's like losing her mind. That's mine! No, 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 no. Here, you can play with this. And as soon as he plays with that, then she comes over. That's mine! I want it because I see the joy that you're having with what I thought was mine. I didn't like it until you had it and you had so much fun with it. And that's what we're doing with other people. That's what we're doing in life. I didn't like that position until you took it and you made it something. So now I belong there. And that's what I should be doing. I can do this. I can do that. Why is it just you? We need to stop quitting what God has called us to do. And sometimes you have to go through some valleys before you get to the top of the hill. But there's lessons. There's character building things inside of those places. The whole goal of the enemy is to get you to quit and to walk away from the plan and purpose God has for your life. From the very beginning, when he came to Eve, he wanted her to question who God was And his plan, he came straight to her, trying to put doubt in her immediately. And that's what he does. Well, maybe God doesn't want this for me. Well, maybe it's not his plan. Well, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Well, maybe I need to move. Well, maybe I'm in the wrong church. Well, maybe I'm at the wrong job. Well, maybe I'm in the wrong family. (laughs) We start questioning all these things and he's like, just be still. I'm God. I'm going to work it out for you. Yes, it may be tough right now, but if you hang with me, I'm going to bring you out and you're not going to smell like smoke. When I was um, studying about this, the, I have so many notes and could go so many different um, places. But um, David, King David, really, you know, kind of stuck out to me in this particular instance. When you read about his life, so um, in First in Samuel, Second Samuel, you read about him. And um, if you just flip through, from the time... David was anointed, which was about 15 years old, to the time that he was crowned. It was about 15 years. What did he do in that time when he got pulled out of the fields, serving, shepherding the sheep, doing all of that? When he got pulled out of the fields, and his dad didn't even want to call on him, you know, um, King... uh, Prophet Samuel came, he's like, you know, I need to anoint one of your boys. They're going to be king. God called to be king. And I mean, Jesse brought out all his boys. It's got to be this one because he looks good. He's big. He's this. This one's strong. This one, that one, that one, that one, that one. You got David out in the fields, you know, taking care of business. And his daddy didn't even call him. Didn't even acknowledge that he had another child. That man, that boy was out in the field doing his thing, worshiping God serving. And if his daddy forgot about him when it came to bringing him before the prophet to be anointed, what do you think it was like prior to that situation? 
He didn't all of a sudden go, oh, you know, I'm going to bring all of them out and I'm going to forget about David. David probably got forgot about a long time, a lot of times. He was stuck out there doing his thing. And then the prophet said, "Uh uh-uh, no, there's one more. There's one more. Oh, well, I do have another child. He's the youngest, but he out there taking care of the sheep. Well, bring that one. That's the one God has. So he's 15 years old. He gets anointed before his dad, his brothers as king. And he went right back out to the sheep. It wasn't his season to be crowned king yet. Although he received the anointing for the job that God had for his future. So you receive the anointing, but you still have to walk through the steps before you receive the crown. So while he was out there with the sheep, he learned how to be a good shepherd. A shepherd is a leader. If you're going to be a good king, you need to learn how to be a good leader. And the cool thing about about sheep and shepherds, the sheep-shepherd relationship, is that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. So if you have a shepherd. So like when David left to go take his food to his brothers, you know, before he went and took off Goliath's head, he left the sheep and he went to take food. So he had to leave them. Well, when a shepherd would leave their sheep with another shepherd, all the sheep would be together in one place and the shepherd would be there guarding the sheep. But when the other shepherd came, he would come and he would call out to his sheep and every one of his sheep that were mixed in with those other sheep would come to him because they knew his voice. But you know, I heard something along those lines is that nowadays in our modern culture and our modern technology, the shepherd and the sheep don't have that type of relationship. They use machineries, technology to take care of the sheep. So they don't have that relationship. So when the shepherd comes on the scene or the owner of the company, the CEO comes on the scene and he walks out there and he's like, hello, sheep. They're like, we don't know you. We know the technology. And I was like, a lot of people know the technology, but they don't know the voice of the shepherd. And they don't know when to follow him because they haven't spent that intimate time with him. So David spent that intimate time with his sheep so they knew his voice. David spent that intimate time with God so he knew God's voice. So when God moved him to the next season and he walked into that battlefield and he saw what Goliath, he heard what Goliath was doing, he was able to speak up right away and say, No, I'll take care of it because I know my father. I know the voice of my shepherd and I know this is unacceptable and I'm going in the authority that I received from him in our intimate time. And he was able to move from that season, from being out in the field to now he's stepping out in front of the army. He's stepping in front of the king And he's going to take out Goliath. 
So he went from being a shepherd. Prior to, to going out there, he, he also got called upon to play for the king. So that time out in the field, he's worshiping. He's perfecting his craft. He's, you know, playing music. He's worshiping. He's, he's bringing in the presence of God, the power of God. The anointing is falling. The anointing has fallen on his gift. He goes into the presence of Saul. When he plays, that anointing falls in that place. Saul is beneficial beneficiary of that anointing that's on him. Then the next step is he goes out there, he cuts off Goliath's head, and now he's officially got a place in the palace. Then he meets Jonathan and he becomes best friends with the king's son. So now he has a lifelong relationship with a best friend. So God's brought him that I mean, he, he goes in the war. He gets a wife out of the whole situation. I mean, you just read his story, how each step of the way God provides. As he conquers one thing, he goes to the next season. He conquers one thing, he goes to the next season. But then when Saul becomes jealous of him, David's character is strong enough to walk him through that whole situation with the king trying to kill him. David could have said, I'm going to take you out because I'm strong. I'm a better warrior than you. I'm going to take you out. But no, he honored the king. He honored the position. He could have said, I've already been anointed as a king when I was 15 years old. I'm going to take your place. I don't have to serve you. I've already been given your position. No, he humbled himself and he served Saul. And when he had an opportunity to kill him, several opportunities, he didn't do it. And then when he found out Saul was dead, he took out the man that took Saul out. Because the man came to him, he's like, "Uh, I just want to let you know uh, Saul and Jonathan are dead. David said, how did you know? Uh, well, cause, uh, Saul told me to stab him cause, uh, he didn't want to be in pain anymore. So I pulled out my sword and I stabbed him. David mourned and he goes, and I'm taking you out because you put your hand on God's anointed man. He honored him even in death and then honored his children. That's what it looks like when you stay in your season. And even when he got off, even when we read about him, the reason why he was looking at Bathsheba is because he wasn't in his place. He was supposed to be out at war. He took the season off. But obviously it wasn't God-ordained. Because he put his eyes on something he wasn't even supposed to be looking at. He set his eyes on something that did not belong to him. Because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And because of that, he murdered somebody, took somebody's wife, and he ultimately lost a child. 
but he went through that season. And the thing I believe that saved him is that he submitted himself to God. He admitted his wrong. He admitted his guilt. And then we read all in Psalms about how he poured out his heart to God, how he worshiped, how he laid down his life, how he got back in his place. So sometimes we make stupid choices. But that doesn't take us out of what God has for us. We are people. And we do people things. Stupid stuff. Stupid. (laughs) That man had millions of wives. He didn't need somebody else's wife. Just ridiculous. But he still finished his race strong. He still walked through the seasons and God still used him. Surrender yourself to God and trust him. Psalms 1 verse 3 in the New King James Version says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. When we spend time with God, we develop roots. And we get the nourishment, the strength, the connections, the relationships. We get what we need. We establish a longevity. As you build, the closer you get to him, the longer you serve him, the, the, the more you get. And just because you've been in this race for a long time does not mean that the journey is going to be easy. Longevity does not equal easy. It does allow you to establish roots and roots allow us to develop relationships and personal experiences that teach us how to stay planted when everything in us wants to uproot before God's timing. You can't stay planted without him because our eyes always want something. Our eyes are always looking over in somebody else's garden, looking at somebody else's grass, looking at somebody else's house, looking at this, looking at that, looking at somebody else's life because we're people. But when we stay connected to him, he walks us through that and he shows us what his plan is for us. He helps us to reach out to others and make sure that they have what we have. He helps us to bear the cross with him and and to, to preach the gospel to others so that we're taking people with us, so that people are seeing miracles in their lives. We don't have to do it alone. What God says he means In Titus chapter one, verse two, the New Living Translation, it says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. Number two, what God promises is true. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Number three, what God starts, he finishes. Philippians 1, 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And number four, what God calls us to, he will equip us for in due season. Galatians 6, 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. There will be seasons, your passion and your position align, and what a sweet spot that is. You'll wake up every day and pinch yourself that you get to do what you want to do with the people you get to do it with, and all seems right in the world. And then there are times a shift takes place, a new assignment, a new role, a new ask. Suddenly what you gave your life to is demanding your life. Sacrifice, servanthood, surrender, because following Jesus will take you from the wedding feast to the wilderness overnight. But God doesn't change. He's the same when you're at the party as when you're in the pit. We just don't like the scenery as much. Jesus could endure because his end was clear. His path was clear. His gaze was set. His goal was not to get back where his, he was. His goal was us. His, he, he, he stayed focused. And you know we can learn from him because every single day he spent time with his father. Every single day, he aligned his will to the will of his father. And if Jesus had to do that every single day, I'm pretty sure we have to do that too. I know I don't always feel like doing what he called me to do. But every single day, we should make a fresh commitment, a fresh surrendering. Not my will, but your will be done in my life. God, I'll not leave this season. I'll not quit. I'll stay focused on what you've called me to do. I'll stay in this season until I learn every lesson and get everything out of it. And I trust you to lead me, to guide me, and he won't let us go. How we wait, I'm gonna close with this, how we wait matters. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 45 through 51 in the Passion Translation, It says, what would qualify a servant to manage his master's house? He would be a wise servant who is both faithful and dependable. The master would commission him to oversee others for he would lead them well and give them food at the right time. What joy and blessing will come to that faithful servant when the master comes home to find him serving with excellence. I can promise you the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all that he owns. 
But the evil servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming and who knows when he will return. And because of the delay, the servant mistreats those in his master's household. Instead of caring for the ones he was appointed to serve, he abuses the other servants and begins to party with drunkards. Let me tell you what will happen to him. His master will suddenly return unexpectedly and he will remove the abusive, selfish servant from his position of trust. And the master will cut him in two and assign him to the place of great sorrow and anguish along with all of the other hypocrites. Jesus is coming. What we do until he comes matters. How we treat people matters. How we act in our seasons matter. Don't get caught up when he comes back and you're sitting back going, but Jesus, I was tired. But Jesus, I felt like I should have moved and I felt like I should be doing this and I feel like I should be doing that. And because you anointed me here, I felt like I needed to put myself in that position. At least 15 years between the anointing and the crown. And God did such a work in David so that when he stepped into that crown, he was ready. When we step and we receive our crown, when we receive what God has for us here, we'll be ready.